EJ, thank you musicians, thank you church, and it's good to see everybody here tonight. It's always a delight to come to this church. Um, you truly are a, a sister church. You know how they talk about sister cities? Um, uh, I truly count uh, this fellowship here, and I'm very thankful for what God has been doing in your midst where God has led you and how He is leading you. And I thank God for your pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And truly, the Lord has brought us uh, close uh, as we've worked together on conferences, uh, TNS. Uh, I, you know, a lot of the laboring work that happens between the two churches, um, I just count that as a privilege and an honor to be able to partner with your church in order for us to do something great for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, I'm uh, always excited to hear about your reports and the fervency of what God is doing in your midst and how people are getting saved and how you're growing and moving for the Lord. That's just an exciting thing. Truly, our city needs some good churches. It needs uh, soul-winning churches. It needs a real, authentic Christianity. I think uh, Sydney's got plenty of churches, but uh, not many that really herald the gospel message in a clear way. And I think it's not just about being vocal, but it's also about living it right. Uh, living right in our community, living right in our homes and the people who we associate with, whether it be at work, whether it be at college, university, or wherever you may be, we need to be authentic and real. Amen? Authentic and real. And I think God will add His blessing to that and truly use us to do greater things for His glory and for His honor. I'm glad you're here tonight and thank you for having me. And I thank you. I thank your pastor for also allowing me to come and uh, just to preach while he's away. And he's been a dear friend to me as well. If you have your Bible, turn with me please to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Tonight I want to talk to you about being a committed Christian. We're talking about authentic Christianity. I want to bring you a message about a, being a committed Christian. Uh, you know, commitment, uh, to be committed is one who really... Uh, continually reviews and makes the necessary adjustments to stay the course. Uh, how many of you have watched the Sydney to Hobart uh, races? Has anybody ever seen those? Or you're just like me, you just turn the TV off, you don't care. Uh, uh, but basically, if you've ever seen sailing boats, uh, sailing boats will go to a destination. They'll start from Sydney Harbour and they will end up in Hobart uh, on that uh, Boxing Day challenge, and it'll take him a couple of days to get there. But let me say to you, those boats, as they sail to Tasmania, they do not go in a straight line. You know, as the wind blows, as the forces of nature, as the, as the, uh, the waves and, and the swells, uh, those boats are cutting through that water, and sometimes they deviate a little bit off course. But that's why the captain there is there with his uh, compass and, and all the digital GPS equipment that they have now. And, uh, and that boat, as it veers off, it's being reviewed. It's being rechecked. It's, it, they're, they're seeing in what direction they're going, and then they make the necessary adjustment. Can I say to you tonight that that is commitment? Uh, commitment, sometimes we think, well, I'm committed if I'm coming every day. To, you know, every time the church doors are open and I'm here, I'm committed. Uh, if I read my Bible every day, I'm committed. And we seem to think that our commitment is because of the list of things that I'm doing or the things that I am not doing. 
And I say to you today, commitment is about reviewing and checking where my heart lies. And what are the things I need to measure and check so that I may stay the course, finish the course, run the course for the cause of Christ. And so tonight, I want us to have a look at this passage in Matthew chapter 16. And in this passage here, the Lord makes necessary adjustments in the perception and understanding of His disciples in order for them to know truly who He is and what He expects from them. And I think it's only fitting for us to always be reminded by the things that the Lord reminded His own disciples so that we may continue the course and know exactly what God has for us. In Matthew chapter 16, if you're able to stand and honor reading God's Word, let's do so. The Bible says in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Father, now we thank you for this portion of Scripture. Oh Lord, we look to you tonight for a fresh blessing from heaven. Lord, we ask you that you open our eyes of understanding, that Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will bring the truth of the Word to us. Pray, Father, that you would draw our eyes to you. And may we, Father, be changed tonight. And may we conform to the image of Christ. Lord, help us to do what you want us to do and to respond to your Word. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I often ask myself, how is it uh, that in a church, when you take a cross-section of a church, uh, you have believers at different levels? Uh, you have those who, you know, uh, you know if, I, if they come once a week, then they're rejoicing that they've done something. Uh, and then you've got those who would come every time the doors are open and, and would get involved in any ministry and, and uh, would just expend themselves and will go to, to all lengths in order to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought, why is it that not everybody travels the same path? You take a cross-section of any church, you'll find that there are people at different levels and their commitments are at various degrees. We try to encourage one another. And those who are struggling, we want to help them to, to grow in the Lord and to uh, love God and to love one another and to be, and to be committed uh, to the cause of Christ and to the gospel's sake. And, uh, and Paul had them in his own day. Uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Yeah, I find it fascinating that there be many that come to church and they would have been here for years, 5, 10, 15 years, and they're still desiring the sincere milk of the Word. Uh, they're still bottle-fed. Uh, you still have to handhold. Uh, you have to be very cautious around them. Uh, you, you can't say anything too strong because they get offended so quickly. 
And, uh, you know, we really need to mature in Christ. Uh, we cannot stay as babes. Uh, it's fine. If you're saved, you just got saved recently, that's okay. Uh, that's fine. But it would, be, uh, it would be detrimental for you if you stayed the same for the next two to three to five years. If, if you just got saved and you stayed in that same state for three to four to five years, there's a problem. Uh, you know, if, we, if I have a... We have children. We've got three children. Lord bless us with three children. And, uh, and as they were maturing and growing, we were expecting certain things of them. You know, we, we, we think, okay, well, by nine months, Jeremy was walking. Oh, by, you know, 12 months, Ryan got to walk. And, and we start comparing one to the other. And don't laugh there, Jeremy. Ryan beat you at some things as well. Uh, so, you know, we, we start to think, we expect, we expect certain things to happen at certain milestones. And can I say to you, it is the same of us as the children of God. Uh, we, we cannot stay as babes. Uh, there are milestones that we need to be meeting. And certainly as we develop and grow in Christ, we mature in Him. And this path, this journey of maturing, is what we want to talk about today as to how do I look, how do I review, what things must I keep in cross-check in my walk with the Lord, that I may be a committed or authentic Christian. I want you to see with me tonight the three things the Lord did with his disciples, uh, three areas in which he uh, made the calibration or the adjustment necessary for them to follow him. Uh, he, he's asked them that they would deny themselves and follow after him, but the Lord had to make some adjustments and calibration to their thinking and to their position in order for them to truly walk after him. The first one I see is in verses 13 through to verse 18. And that's where the Lord, uh, after Jesus came through the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, is? Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? It's quite interesting. The Lord asks this question of his disciples. He asks them, whom do men say that I am? Uh, he first wanted to understand from them the perception or understanding of who he is in relation to what? The world is saying. And can I say to you that a lot of our opinions and a lot of our Christian thinking and walking many times is formulated by what the crowd thinks. I dare to say that many of us here today only probably do certain things because we've seen others do it and we see, well, that's, if that's the norm, then that's what I am doing. Much of what we are convinced of doing is not it's a personal conviction of ours, but because we see others doing it and we just follow along. Uh, Jesus was asking them uh, and wanting to find out from them how they were shaped, how their thinking about him was shaped by what others were saying. And they said to him, well, some think that you are John the Baptist. Some say you're even Elias. Uh, some say you're Jeremiah. Some maybe some other prophet. And it's quite interesting that Jesus says to them, but whom do you say that I am? 
Can I say to you, Jesus is not interested in public opinion. Jesus tonight is interested in what you think about him. He's, he's more concerned about your heart and what you believe in your heart about him. Uh, he's not asking, the question tonight is not asking, what do you at Southland Baptist Church believe about Jesus Christ? Uh, the question is not tonight about you as a church group here, what is your opinion of the Lord Jesus Christ? The question to us tonight is this, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? You see, a lot of our concept of God and concept of our, what our relationship should be like with Jesus Christ is very much affected by what others are saying. You know, you, you stay in an environment where everybody is doubting and conceding and, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, talking down the gospel message. And if you're not revived by the word, it won't be long before you start to believe that stuff. You know, if you're a Christian... And you think, well, I don't need to attend church. I'm okay. I'll be all right. I'll just study my Bible by myself and, and I'll just have my own Bible study and, and uh, I'll have my own church service on my own in my, in my room and, and I don't need to associate with anybody. Uh, just be careful with that because your association with the world will change and will cloud your thinking about who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, much of what we see and, and we hear through all means of communication, whether it be by television, uh, whether it be through radio, through songs, uh, all the worldly contact that we have. Let me say to you folks tonight, listen to me, if that's predominantly where you find yourself, that's going to shape your thinking about Jesus and about his church. You talk to your friends who are unsaved, and they say to you, what did you do on the weekend? Well, I was in church Sunday morning. Uh, on Saturday, I was in church again, giving out tracts, doing some ministry. And guess what? Sunday night, I came back to church again. Now, you, you tell that story to someone at work who's unsaved, they will think that you're a Jesus freak. True? And, and that, that, will, that will start to scold, they'll mock you, and, and they will say, isn't that a waste of time? Wow, what a waste of a weekend. And you know, if you get more of that in your head, you begin to think that way. Now I'm going to ask you this question. Why do you come back to church? Why do you come to church? Why, why are you here tonight? If your answer tonight, well, that's what we normally do. We've always done that, right? We come to church Sunday morning, and uh, ever since I was a little boy, mom and dad put me in the car, drove me to church, had church in the morning, then they took me home, we had lunch, then drove me back again Sunday night, and I had church again, and that's all I've ever known, is I go to church, come back from church, then go to church, and come back from the church. If that's all that I know, then what has shaped my understanding of, of who Christ is and his church is the influences on the outside. But can I say to you, to be a committed, authentic Christian, you cannot just rely on how you were shaped by those external 
or that environment that you were in. If tonight you're a Christian and you're saying, well, I, I, I'm going to live for God because I see what everybody else is doing, uh, you have missed the mark. And to be a committed Christian, you need to recalibrate tonight. It's okay. It's all right to recalibrate. There's nothing wrong with us thinking and allowing the Spirit of God to bring a conviction to us about a certain matter in our life and to get it right with God. You see, that's what commitment is. That's what authentic Christianity is. Authentic Christianity is to say, well, I'm walking down this path. Maybe I deviated a little bit. I'm going to now, the Spirit of God is illuminating me. The Spirit of God is showing me something, and I need to address that. So I make the necessary adjustments to get back to the path. That is being true to the path. That is being committed to the path. And if we're really going to be committed Christians, this frequency of us self-examining must happen on a regular basis. Amen? You know, when we come to the Lord's table, uh, we take time to examine yourself. True? Examine yourself. The Lord wants us to always examine ourselves. Examine where you are. And make the necessary adjustment. Take the decisions that are necessary and do them for you to go back to be committed and to be online. You see, Jesus had to do that with his disciples in relation to who he was as the Messiah. He had to calibrate their thinking about his Messiahship. He asked them, he said, whom do men say that I am? And they told him what they thought, what everybody else was talking. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Whom do you say? That I am. I just love it how Jesus always takes it that little bit deeper and makes everybody uncomfortable. Listen, if you're sitting in church here and, and the preacher's preaching and you're not getting, you're not getting uncomfortable, there, there's a problem. There's a problem. If you walk out of church being all happy and say, I missed it today, like, you know, nobody got me today, there's a problem. You know, I, the, Jesus always went to the heart of the matter always went down to that extra level and became personal. Whom do you say that I am? Whom do you say that I am? And then Peter stands up and says, Thou art the Christ. You know, Peter is the spokesman. You know, he's the chief ringleader. And uh, he gets up and he just says, Well, I'll tell you who you are. Uh, you are the Christ. You are that Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Can I say to you, church, tonight, we want true illumination from God. We want true illumination from God. If I'm going to make any adjustments in my life to be a committed Christian, I want to make sure that I am getting something from God. I want to make sure that that communication between me and Him is happening. Hey, how long has it been since the last time you heard the voice of God? When was the last time you sat in church or with your Bible open, maybe in your personal study time, and bang, the Spirit of God spoke to you? When was the last time you got that illumination? If the only time you can tell me is when you got saved, if that's the only time you can ever remember that, wow, I found a truth that I needed to be saved, if that's the only time you had illumination, 
then there's a problem. The Lord must be revealing to us truths out of his word. Open thou my eyes that I may behold truths of thy word. We want the Lord to communicate and reveal things to us. You see, I need him to do that work in me. See, you, you need that for him to do that in your pastor. If your pastor is not receiving something fresh from the Lord out of the word, what is he going to give you? Now, you say, well, that's, that's my pastor. I'm expecting that of him. But what about you? What about you? What fresh things are you getting from the Word of God? What fresh things are you getting from the Lord? What is the Spirit of God showing you that you need to make changes and adjustments in your life that you would follow Christ correctly? Jesus had to recalibrate their understanding of who he is. Can I say to you, church, tonight, one of the greatest things in your life would be when you truly understand and appreciate Jesus Christ personally. I'm not talking about what does my family think. I'm not saying what does my church say. I'm asking you the personal question. Who is Jesus Christ to you? How true is, you, is your relationship with him? How true are you walking with him? If you say he's my Lord and Savior, what does that really mean? What, what is, how precious is he to you? How committed are you? Can I say that in your, your commitment to him is directly correlated to your relationship and what you think of him? Can I say that again? Your commitment to him is in direct correlation of what you think of him or how you perceive him. You see, we're all passionate people. We're all passionate about something. And let me tell you, you can be passionate about the Lord himself if you get to know him for who he is. If you have that appreciation for him for what he did for you you really understand the sacrifice he made, if you really understand the salvation he's brought to you, it is only our reasonable service that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Having understood the mercies of God and what he did for me, it is only a reasonable thing for me that I in turn give myself over to him. You see, you will only really do that when you really appreciate and understand the Savior. Whom do you say Jesus is tonight? Maybe some of us need to get on our faces tonight and say, Lord, I've lost sight and I've lost appreciation of who you are. And a lot of my Christianity has been fogged and clouded with every different other voice and opinion. But Lord, tonight I want to make the necessary adjustment. I want to put you back in the right place. I want to behold you. 
I want to thank you and give you the praise and glory for who you are as my Savior. And I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus had to recalibrate the disciples in relation to whom he was to them. Maybe tonight as a church we need to take that decision. Maybe you tonight are here and you need to make some calibration, some adjustment, some change in focus, some change in direction when it comes to the matter of who is Jesus Christ to you. That would truly help you in coming back to that path of authentic Christianity. Secondly, I want you to see that uh, the Lord not only adjusted their thinking about who he was, but he also had to address with them about his mission. Not only was it about his messiahship, but it was about his mission as well. The Bible tells us that he began to tell them from that day on that he would have to go into Jerusalem, he would be given up, and they will beat him and crucify him, and uh, he will die. And Peter grabs him, the Bible says, and begins to rebuke him and says, Be, be it far from thee, Lord. Uh, we will not permit this to happen to you. And isn't it interesting how the Lord looks at Peter then and says to him these rebuking words? I mean, if somebody was defending me or, you know, if I said to them, you know, this is going to happen to me, I'm just going to go down to Bankstown this afternoon, tonight, and some guys are just going to ambush me and they're going to just, you know, they're going to kill me. And if my boys or some of you fellas, I would hope my boys anyway, I'd hope somebody would go up and say, no, 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 we will never let this happen to you. We're going to protect you. We're going to put you in a vehicle and we'll put a decoy and nobody will know who you are. I'll feel like, whoa, I'm a little bit important here. But Jesus said to Peter, he said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. But what strong words of rebuke to Peter. I mean, did Peter have good intentions about what Jesus was saying? I mean, he, they had just spent, you know, they've been spending with, all this time with him. It's been three years and, and now the Lord's saying to them, you know what, fellas, class is going to be over. You're going to graduate soon and I'm going I'm to die. I said, what do you mean? All this time that we've been with you, is this how it's going to finish? No, 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 be it far from thee, Lord. You know what the disciples were thinking? He wasn't that much concerned about Jesus. He was really concerned about him and the three years he had spent wandering around with him. To the disciples, they were believing he was to be the one who will be inaugurated, and become the king, and guess what? They're going to be ruling with him. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic? I mean, like, that would have been worth it. Three years of suffering, walking around and listening and doing all these things. But at the end, man, I'm going to rule. I mean, that, that's what they had in, the, in their mind. In fact, Acts chapter 1, Jesus now is ascending into heaven, and he'd been around with them for 40 days and making his appearances, and one of them says, Lord, is it now? the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, is, it, is it now? Is it, this is the time? Maybe, yeah, we got the timing wrong maybe back then, but is it now? This is the time when you're going to you know, reign with glory and we're going to reign with you? Even when they were going to the Garden of Gethsemane, they were still bickering and thinking about who is the greatest one of them. Who's, one, who's the one who's going to get the 
the most important role in his cabinet. Am I going to be the foreign secretary? Or am I going to be one for defense? Or am I going to be the treasurer? They were thinking about what they were going to get out of it. But Jesus had to stop Peter and say to him, the thing that you are asking for, Peter, that is not from God. What you're asking is the way men would think. Sometimes the reason we do certain things in our Christian life is not because we're seeking truly the will of God. But we seem to think, I will gain something out of this. I might get some recognition out of this. Hey, if I come every Saturday and I'm, I'm part of the soul winning and pastor sees that I'm here and I'm doing that, hey, hey, he's noticing. If I just do some more things around here and, and uh, you know, people get to notice what I'm doing, uh, then, then uh, you know, I, I will get something. and re- I will get some kind of recognition. I, 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 will, I may even get to be a deacon. Maybe I might get to be, you know, get some role somewhere. Uh, uh, you know, hey, you, we think that way, don't we? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Jesus had to recalibrate their thinking about his mission. He came that he would die for us. But they were on a different journey. After being with him for three years, they still didn't get it. They were still thinking, we're going to get something out of this. And Jesus rebuked him, and I'm sure that rebuke was to all the disciples. Peter seems to always cop it, doesn't he? Bless his heart. He was always quick to talk. But he, you know, let me tell you, he's the guy who says what everybody else is thinking. And Jesus says to him, Get there behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things of God, but the things of men. I want to ask you tonight. Your ministry that you do. Why do you do it? We had beautiful music played tonight. Why do you do that? You teach Sunday school? You look after kids in nursery? You go out visitations? Go out tracking, soul winning. Why do you do that? What's the reason that you're doing all this? You know, we've got to be careful as a church that we don't create activity for the sake of activity. You know, we're not just like a beehive, you know, things are happening everywhere, and, but nothing real is taking place. You see, we can get caught up in the motion of doing things but not have the power and the blessing of God upon it. If I'm going to be 
a committed Christian, I would want the power of God upon my life doing the will of God correctly. Have you taken some time to work out what is the will of God for you? I'm not talking about the general will of God we all should know from the Word of God. And if you're not obeying the general will that God has shown you in His Word, don't expect to get any divine revelation about any specific will. Okay? Get busy obeying what God has already showed you. Yeah, sometimes I, you know, I speak, today, praise the Lord, we baptize six people. And uh, I, I look and sometimes uh, speak to someone and say, hey, brother, you've been a Christian. Why, why ha- you know, would you follow the Lord in baptism? And they say to me, you know, Pastor, I- I'm praying about it. I stop and think, what are you praying for? What, what are you thinking? Are you, like, is God going to strike you with some new information or divine revelation as to why you should get baptized? Or why you should not get baptized? Like, what, what are you asking for? You see, we need to get busy knowing the will of God that is already revealed to us in His Word. And as we're busy doing that, He will, He will help us and work out what we need to be doing. I preached a message this morning from Acts 16, where if you read those verses there, Paul uh, was so busy in the ministry, going back, trying to reinforce and help the churches. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God refrained him from going into Asia. And he wanted to go to Bithynia, and the door was closed. Uh, And then he saw the vision of one saying from Macedonia, come and help us. We find that he then goes to Troas and and then ends up in Macedonia at the city of Philippi. You see, that was the Spirit of God leading him. Do you want that in your life? If you want the Spirit of God to truly lead you to accomplish the things that God has for you, then you need to get up and start doing the things that God has already showed you to do. A lot of people think, well, you know, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to wait. God will show me. I'm going to trust him. I'm trusting him. And we just sit there. Let me tell you how I found my life as I was in the way. God led me. As I was in the way, God led me. And church tonight, let me encourage you. Get up and start obeying the word of God. Get yourself calibrated into the word, into the general will of God. And then God will begin as you are actively working and serving and doing what he has asked you to do already in his word. He will begin to open and close doors in order for you to accomplish his specific will for you. We may need tonight to be recalibrated in what is God's perfect will and mission for my life. What does he want from me? God, what am I doing for you? And how am I doing that? And why am I doing it? You may need to make some adjustments this evening in relation to the will of God and what you are doing and how you're serving to come back on path, to come back to that path and that that where God wants you to be, to be, to live a life that is fulfilling and satisfying and serving God to your maximum potential. 
Don't settle for just, just scraping through. That's good. It's just acceptable. I want to know what's perfect. What is God's perfect will? And I want to do that. Maybe tonight we need to recalibrate as to what our mission is. Is it in line with what God really has for us? And lastly, I see the Lord then recalibrates their thinking in relation to his mandate. The mandate that he has for every Christian. He says to take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after me. Now they're pretty strong words that Jesus uses. But this is his mandate from every Christian, every born-again believer, that you would deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after him. Some people think, you know, well, what does God want from me? What is he really after? Like, you know, what is the, the objective of being a Christian? What, what is this that he wants? You know what the Lord wants? He wants you, your life, as he bought it in total surrender to him. To deny is to disassociate, to say, no, no, I, I, I don't identify with that. Peter knew well how to, what denying meant. He denied Christ three times that night, did he not? They said to him, you are one of them. He said, no, no, I, I'm not. I don't know him. One came back and said, surely you are one of them. Your speech gives you away. He says, I don't know him. No, no, we have seen you with him. I said to you, I don't know him. Now, the Lord says that we ought to deny ourselves. What does that really mean? What does that mean that I would deny myself? That is to look at my identity. My identity is to be identified with Christ. No longer living to myself. No longer wanting what I want, but rather what he wants. To deny myself would mean that, Lord, what you want has preference and I will do ahead of what I choose that I want. Jesus wants us to think about life in this way. What he asks of us to do, that is the number one priority on our list. That I would do his bidding, his will, before what I want to do. That would require some sacrifice. That would require that, you know, I may not get what I want. 
they require that, you know, I have to put to death old habits, put to death old desires, the things that I want to do, now I'm not going to do. Hey, when there's a football game on and there's church on and my team is playing, I'm going to say to my flesh, as much as I'd like to sit here, drink a can of Coke and watch the footy, I'm going to say no to that and I'm going to be in the house of God where God wants me to be. There may be things that God is asking you to lay aside. One of the greatest things you will do as a Christian is to master the flesh. One of the greatest things you will do as a Christian is to master the flesh. There are two that live in you. There's the carnal man, and then there's the spiritual man. The one that you feed, the one that you take care of, the one that you spend all your time trying to fulfill its desire, will be the one that will be stronger and will lead. If you spend your time feeding the flesh, doing the things of the flesh and always giving in to the desires of the flesh. Don't ever wonder why you have no victory of the Spirit. Are you listening to me? If you are, if you are making him strong, the carnal man strong, you feed him, you follow after him, he's going to lead you. And as he leads you, your spirit is dragging behind and you're kicking and screaming, thinking, but why is this happening to me? Why can't I get victory in my life? Why is it that I'm always falling into sin? And you begin to blame God for not having the victory, don't you? But you did it all. You spent all that time strengthening him. That's why he's leading you. But if you can learn to mortify the deeds of the flesh, weaken him, starve him, don't give him, don't give him room, don't allow him to overcome you and spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer, spend time in the Lord, with the Lord, spend time with the people of God, spend time, you know, having your spirit being nourished and refreshed by the word of God, that is going to take, that's what's going to lead you. You ever wondered why some Christians, they, feel, they seem to be spiritual and, oh, they're super Christians. That's how we, you know, the carnal look at the Christian who is walking with God and say, you're a super Christian. Yeah, thank you, super Christian. We can't all be like you. Have you heard people talk like that? Huh? You know, well, that, that's the carnal man because he knows he can't do what the Spirit does and begins to condemn. That's the carnal man. Jesus wants us, if we're going to be committed Christians, we need to learn to deny. Take up our cross. Take up our cross. People say, well, what is my cross? Some say it's my wife. Some say it's my mother-in-law. 
Some say it's my job. We make fun of that. But then I say to you, your cross is that very thing that God has asked you to do in your life. If God has called you to be a full-time servant, that is your, that's your cross. God has asked you to be a witness at, church, uh, at your work or at home. That is your cross. Can I say that uh, taking up our cross has become a habit where we've got a lot of part-time Christian cross carriers. That I'll pick it up when I feel like it and I'll put it down when it's like it's just getting too hard right now. I need a break. Right? True? Hey, let me say to you that altars are full of people who come and say, I want to carry my cross. But I can tell you that we're, most of us are jammed from walking out this door because there are many crosses that have been left at the door. When you take up your cross, you've got no time to be thinking about anything else. When you're carrying that cross, you've got no time to be thinking, well, wouldn't it be good today to have, you know, go out on a picnic? Wouldn't it be good today if I was um, doing something else? And uh, you, you are under the weight of what God has called you to do, and you're passionate and consumed about carrying it. You passionate about what God has asked you to do? Well, you say, I'm not, a, I'm not a minister, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a pastor, I'm just an ordinary Christian. Yeah. What about the weight of living for Christ? And whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. What about that weight of being the testimony? What about the weight of representing your Savior? What about that weight? Is it just part-time that, you know, well... When we're together, we're happy. We're like, hey, we'll all get together and we'll all carry our crosses together. We're all having a good time on Sunday. But you know, when we leave, we'll just park them out in the park car park. We'll leave them there and we'll go do the rest of our life, live how we want to. And then we'll come back again next time to the church. Oh, that's mine, number 835. I'll pick that up, put on mine, and walk into the auditorium. Hey, you laugh, but that's what we do. That's what we do. Hey, if you want to be an authentic Christian, if you want to truly be committed to walking with Christ, you need to learn that, no, my cross goes with me everywhere I go. My cross goes with me everywhere I go. Take up my cross and follow after me. You see, following requires us to be consistent. It's a consistent follow. It is one that, uh, that I make a decision consciously every day that I'm going to walk down this path. Hey, if you're a Christian here thinking that I'll just stumble into what God wants me to do, if you think that somehow I'm just going to trip into it and then I'm going to find it, you're mistaken. You'll never, you'll never get there. It's got to be a, a decision you make every day. Every day. Today, Lord, today... Help me to do your will. Lord, help me today that my mind is focused on you. And Lord, what you want me to accomplish today for your glory and your honor, 
There may be someone, Lord, you would lead, lead me to or you lead them to, to me. And Lord, help me that I would open my mouth and I will communicate the gospel. Guys, I, I really believe soul winning is not a hit and miss. If, if, if we just think soul winning is just I've given a track out, we've missed it. Soul winning must be strategic and must be committed that you make time and purpose to meet with someone and give them the gospel message. Follow through. Follow it through. Be committed to it and do it. Are you a predictable Christian? Do people know that, hey, don't bother calling him on a Sunday morning. He ain't going playing golf. He's going to be in church. Do people know about you? Are you predictable? You see, Daniel was predictable, was he not? Huh? What, like, he was made the prince of all the princes, uh, the head of them all, and, and they, they wanted to get him, man. Like that, that, he was a, how could he become you know, the guy who we report to? And they looked in everywhere that they could bring him that, but they couldn't. And they said, the only way we're going to get him is through his God. So we know that he goes and prays three times. So the only way we're going to get him is if we go get a decree that anyone prays to anyone outside of uh, uh, Darius, uh, the king, then we will throw them into the den of lions. And so they did the law and the king signed it foolishly and, and that's what they trapped him in. Why? Because he was predictable in his, in his walk, in his love for God. How predictable are you? about your Christianity? Do really people know where you stand? Do people see your life? Not really when they watch and say, hmm, yeah, he's an authentic Christian. He's not one that just does it for the, you know, the obligation and, and just go with emotion and then they live life the way they want to. No, you see, the, the world is tired of that kind of Christianity. Are you predictable? Are you content with what God has given you and with what God has given you as talents in your hand to serve him? You see, when we're discontent, we're just saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. No, nah, I, I don't have enough. I'm not like her. I'm not like him. And I, why hasn't he given me what, he, what they've got? And, and we are discontent. And that breeds, that discontentment breeds bitterness and then we never end up doing anything for the Lord. We never end up following. We end up straying. We end up going in our own way again. We start making up things in our heads as to what is real Christianity. You ever, you ever spoken to some people who say, no, I know I'm committing a sin, but it's okay. I still want to do that. And I, I just shake my head and think, well, what brand of Christianity are you thinking about? Jesus had to recalibrate them. They had to recalibrate what they thought of him. I'm asking you this question tonight. What do you think of Jesus? What does he mean to you? And how is that affecting the way you're living? What, has God for you, what does God have for you what is he asking you to do? 
What's the mission that he has for you? Do you know it? Maybe God has shown you something and you're just sitting on the side. Maybe you're struggling to work it out. Hey, get up and start doing something. God will show it to you. We need to make some decisions and some practical adjustments to get back to that committed, authentic Christianity. And lastly, how are you doing about denying yourself? How are you doing about picking up your cross? How often do you carry it? How well are you following the Lord? If we're going to be the genuine article, if we're ever going to have an impact as a church, as individuals, it's time that we get real with God. It's time that we make the necessary adjustments, get back on path, get back on path, get back in doing what God wants us to do, be committed, constantly review and come back, come back, come back. You see, by the end of your life, when you look back, you say, wow, I've come this far. Sure, there were some kinks in the road, but I always came back to the course. That's the way you would have run the race and finished it to the glory of God. It's time that we recalibrate. Let's pray. All heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a time now between you and the Lord. What would the Lord have you to do? As the music plays, I want you to think of areas of your life. Maybe you need to make some adjustments in relation to who Christ is for you. What does he mean to you? How do you value him? Does your life really reflect that value and passion towards him? Maybe you need to confess some things before him, say, Lord, you know, I've just lived my way for too long. It's time for me to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to surrender to that. And I want you, please, Lord, help me to recalibrate that I would complete your will in my life. Maybe you need to do that tonight. Maybe tonight it's time that you learn to modify the deeds of the flesh and and weaken him so that the spirit can grow stronger and lead you so you be a spiritual Christian. Maybe it's time that we learn to pick up that cross and carry it every day and not just leave it lying around and just think, oh, I'll just do it now and when I'm, I'll get back to it later. You never really get back to carrying your cross, let me say to you. Life will always fill, will give you things. Your life will be filled with, uh, with activities and, and different agendas that you'll never really get back to carrying your cross. Hey, why don't we do what Jesus said? Deny oneself, pick up my cross, and follow after him.
you may need to make some decisions tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. As He leads you, would you respond to Him? I'm going to ask Brother EJ to close in a word of prayer then.